Well, good afternoon, Lake Norman, and welcome to Town Talk. We're coming to you live from WSIC, the real talk studio nestled on the banks of beautiful Lake Norman, streaming worldwide from Barcelona, Spain, to Bamberg, South Carolina. I'm Bill Russell, your host and president of Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, the largest chamber of commerce in the Charlotte region. This is a program where we discuss topics that are impacting your family, your friends, your neighbors, your business from my neighborhood to yours. My guests today are Dan Houston. He is the president of 1750 Group and Dan Houston Associates and Webster James, past Kiwanis governor and owner of Comprehensive Communication Services, LLC. But before we get started uh, this morning, if you were watching Good Morning LKN, Justin Kazepis was talking about his batting practice, and we have Bill, the producer. You didn't you didn't get a chance to go out there and watch Justin batting yesterday, did you, Bill? Uh, no, unfortunately, he kept me back here. <laughs> <laughs> but if you didn't get a chance to see it uh, on the WSIC Facebook site, you can see Justin doing his batting practice. We have a little competition going on September. 28th, we're going to be at the D-Bat batting facility, and we're going to see just how many hits we can get. I came in here about a month ago, and Justin was in there talking about how baseball was just a tad bit boring for him, and that he would just rather sit out there in the outfield, I think, uh, going down on some snow cones. Is that what you're talking about, snow yep, cones? Yep, you should have heard him this morning. I think we're starting to turn him a little bit. Oh. I, th- I think we are. Because the Braves are clinched? Or is, 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 is that the deal? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, hopefully. I don't even think he knows where the Braves are. Webster, are you a baseball fan? <laughs> well, I, if I'm a baseball fan, it will have to be uh, the Yankees. Oh, well, I, yeah, I love the Yankees. That's, okay. Yeah, that's that, good. I've got a good friend that's uh, – this hasn't been the best season in the world for the Yankees, though. That's mm-hmm. actually been a tough, tuple, uh, a tough couple of years uh, for the Yankees, but uh, my dad was a big Yankees fan. Uh-huh. Uh, matter of fact uh, – uh, in 1961, Yankees. Well, do you have a favorite player? No. <laughs> no. No. Dan. Yeah, I'm a uh, Yankees fan too. Since I grew up in New York City, then I've got to I got to go with uh, Roger Maris. Roger Maris. Yeah, and that's in oh. Elston Howard. Um, these are the guys that I kind of grew up in mm-hmm. and idolizing them and stuff. And so, yeah, I, I I'm a Yankee fan. Unfortunately, you're right. They're not doing too well this season. <laughs> Do you know? I asked my father. I, I asked him who his favorite player on that '61 team was. Was it was it Maris? Was it Mantle? Um, Yogi Berra was on that team. Uh, Bobby Richardson. Yogi Berra. Bobby who, Richardson. Who later went on to coach at USC? Yeah. Now you could, uh, South Carolina. You're naming all the you know all the superstars. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. All the all the guys that really made a difference. Now the, the new guys. There's some really talented people out there, but yeah, Maris and Mantle. Mantle. You can't beat him. Do you know, though, his favorite player was Clint Boyer. Do you remember the name Clint Mm -hmm. Boyer? No. No, I don't. Clint Boyer was third baseman, but he also played shortstop. And my father said not only was he a good glove and a good bat, but he was a good man off the field. Mm-hmm. And that's what meant a lot to my father. You know, not only being the athlete, but being a good man off the field. That was important. That's very important. That's important. Yeah. Um, I want to start with you, Webster. You are a uh, you're in Kiwanis with me. I, I joined the Kiwanis in 2001. Been president of the club. I was president in 2006. Uh, but you've been a, in Kiwanis quite a while and and been the governor of our our Kiwanis organization. But for people who are unfamiliar with what Kiwanis is, what is the Kiwanis organization? Well, uh, I mean, you know, we have uh, a positioning statement that we that we use as Kiwanis being a global organization of volunteers dedicated to improving the world one child and one community at a time. And that kind of encompasses it encompasses what we do. Uh, I've had the joy of being around Kiwanis for this coming January will be 50 years. 50 years. Wow. 50 years. Uh, I wasn't uh, out of school very long when, when my wife, who was then my girlfriend, uh, got me involved in her dad's club in Florida. And I've been a part of the organization ever since. Uh, I've served as governor. Now, uh, governor's a little bit different from, uh, in Kiwanis than it is, for instance, in Rotary. Uh, in the Rotary organization, a governor of a district, there may be 10, 11, 12, 13 clubs within a district. Within the Kiwanis district, for instance, uh, our district is North and South Carolina, all of the Kiwanis clubs in both states. So it, it's uh, a lot of uh, geography to cover if you're going to be going to be governor. And then those those smaller areas, we have lieutenant governors. Uh, I also was blessed with uh, three years on the International 
on the international board. I served on the international board and got to uh, travel to different Kiwanis districts around the world. I was also advisor at the international level for Key Club International, which is the uh, high school group of young people that uh, happens to be the largest high school service organization in the world. Can, Can anybody join Kiwanis? If you're 18 years of age or older, you can join Kiwanis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, if you, for instance, our club, we, we meet here at uh, uh, at Brooklyn Pizza Brooklyn and, South. you know, Brooklyn South, mm-hmm. and uh, we meet at noon on Thursdays. And that's in Cornelius. That's in Cornelius. If if someone's interested in, in looking into Kiwanis, uh, they could come by, have lunch with us. As a matter of fact, we'll buy lunch for them that day. Come by, have lunch with us. And, and learn about Kiwanis and what we do. Uh, this particular club, I have to say, is I realize as, as a member for the last six or seven years, uh, and, and I've been president of this club also, mm-hmm. but uh, this has been one heck of a great group of people to work with uh, and, and what we do within the community. Um, and, and we don't just, it's not just youth and key club or builders club or terrific kids in the elementary schools but you know we've worked with uh, angels and sparrows we've every year we as a matter of fact we'll be getting ready to do our our turkey uh, dinner project this year last year we served close to 300 families that were in need yeah wow. Dan, Dan are wow. have you been involved in any of civic organizations rotary Kiwanis? oh yeah rotary um, right down here in north town okay. golf course yeah, I spent uh, probably about two years with them and, okay. uh, yeah, so it's, I, I mean, we, we share, we're kind of sisters mm-hmm. or brotherly organizations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's been, you know, what's really great about the organizations, I think, is that, you know, the, the emphasis on helping folks and getting volunteers into doing something they wouldn't ordinarily do by themselves. And, you know, you put that compounding interest together at that human level then you find out that people are going to be doing a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was amazed at how many different projects that we, that we did. In fact, while I was a member, I went down to the Bahamas and had the meeting in Nassau, Bahamas, with, with the Rotary Club. That was a real highlight because they welcomed me like I was a strange, not strange, but a, but a, but a, a, someone coming in as a VIP because I came from Cornelius, so, you know, <laughs> North Carolina. So that was, but it was really nice to see that kind of, you know, as people move through um, through the world, they have something mm-hmm. that they can latch on to. You know what I'm saying, Bill? And you were you were in the Northstone Club um, down in Huntersville. Yes. And how long did you do that? Oh, close to about two years. Yeah. yeah. Um, for those listening, the uh, Northstone uh, Rotary Club meets every mm-hmm. Thursday, seven thirty. Uh, at Northstone Country Club. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm, uh, Webster, you know, I, I'm also involved in Rotary. So I'm in mm-hmm. the Rotary organization. We meet here uh, at the Peninsula Club every Wednesday. And so uh, I'm involved in both the Kiwanis Club and the Rotary Club. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get back, I really want to talk about our diversity program and some of the things that we're doing, Dan, and uh, why you got involved in it. For those of you who are listening to us, please come back. Uh, we've got a great discussion of our diversity council, and I'll be right back. I'm your host, Bill Russell, Town Talk. For those of you who are streaming with us on any of our streaming channels on WSIC or uh, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter or now called X. I'm not really sure about that. What's what's the thing with the X thing? It's kind of like Prince when he went to the symbol. I'm I'm no longer Prince. I'm the symbol. So uh, maybe it'll get back to Twitter. Uh, Who knows? But uh, we're still streaming with our audience. Uh, We've got our business expo, and I heard the commercial right before we actually went into Town Talk talking about it. Uh, Tuesday, October the 10th, that's going to be 11 o'clock to 5 o'clock at the Huntersville Recreation Center. Uh, Sponsorships are sold on that, but we now have... um, we now have registrations are open, and I think Bill's got a little video clip. Bill, can you play that video clip of the expo? Can't hear it. <laughs> nope, but, can't hear it. But it's good video. <laughs> well, we'll we'll work on the work on the. Uh, I just want to know if the Kiwanis booth is in that video. Uh, well, I don't know if the Kiwanis booth is in it or not. 
But uh, those of you who are watching it as we're streaming, uh, we'll fix that sound later, but we do have the expo taking place. Again, it's October 10th, taking place 11 o'clock to 5 o'clock at the Huntersville Recreation Center. It is open to the public. We encourage them to come out. It is the opportunity for the Chamber of Commerce to showcase our business community. Uh, Webster, you were mentioning we, we typically have nonprofits there. Yes. Kiwanis has, has always had a place. Why do you think it's important for the Kiwanis and businesses to be able to showcase in the Business Expo? Well, it, it gives us an opportunity to uh, kind of, the old saying was, press flesh, get to know people, uh, let people understand what it is that we do within the community, and then offer them the opportunity to join us. So it's, you know, the, the people that are there that are in business are also looking for ways to maybe serve within the community, maybe to reach out and do something uh, other than just being in business, in the real estate business or banking or whatever business it is, healthcare. Uh, joining a service organization gives you an opportunity uh, to join a group of people that are like-minded, that really want to make a difference in, in the town that they live in. Uh, mm -hmm. Whether it's with with youth, with hunger, uh, it, there's just so many things that we can do yep. to reach out and make a difference. Mm -hmm. And Dan, I know you mm -hmm. you participated in your first one last year, or was it the first one you came to last year? The first one, yes, last okay. year. Mm -hmm. It was good to have you out there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you streaming, we're going back to live in just a few minute, few seconds. Uh, and please stay with us on Town Talk. Now, more Town Talk with Lake Norman Chamber President Bill Russell on the new 105.9, 100.7, WSIC. Welcome back to Town Talk. I'm your host, Bill Russell. We have Dan Houston, the president of 1750 Group. He's also the chair of our diversity council, and Webster James, who is in the Kiwanis organization. Um, I want to go back to you, Dan. We, we started a diversity council with the Chamber of Commerce, the Lake Norman Chamber, in 2008. Um, and we did a lot of different programs. But what are some of the things that the diversity council is doing with the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce? You know, it's it's a... It's such a great committee and such such a great part of the uh, the chamber. I think what happens a lot of times is is when you have a diversity council, it opens up the chamber for different types of new types of members who are looking for something like the chamber. And and sometimes a lot of folks in the diversity community, and I'm talking about people who are disabled who might be what we call neurodiverse. I'm talking about veterans. I'm talking about, of course, women and people of color and people who are immigrants, newly arriving folks to our, our region who happen to have a business. And they'll see the chamber and they'll think about, well, I'm not sure if I really belong to that. Can I fit in there? And what we've done, and, and I got to tell you this, give uh, kudos to you, Bill, for bringing it to the table here in Lake Norman. But when they see the diversity council, it just lights people up because uh -huh. now they feel like, well, I can go there and it'll be people just like me, looking like me, talking like me, gone through the same kind of experience I've gone through. And I think it really increases the bond in, in our business community. Makes them feel that they have a voice. There you go. A voice and also a way to express their, their experience. Mm -hmm. And, and, and should I say that challenges too, because there's some unique challenges that people come to the community with. And you talked about children and, you know, food scarcity, in some cases, housing. Um, capital is a big thing for a lot of folks who belong to our diversity. You know, how do I continue to, to improve on, you know, my business, expand my business if I can't get access to capital? And so... And sometimes it's, it's as simple as being able to understand how to go into a bank and get a checking account. Right. Something that's simple. Mm -hmm. Dan, you know, in 2016, we had the Charlotte riots here after the uh, Keith Scott shooting. Mm -hmm. And I w was completely blown away watching. I mean, I was watching on Facebook the, the riots going on in downtown mm -hmm. Charlotte, um, the reaction of people. You had the police and you had people that were right up in the police faces and, mm -hmm. and I couldn't I couldn't believe some there was violence taking yeah. place. And I remember talking to Chris Haley and for those of you who don't know Chris Haley, he was also the chair of our diversity council. Uh, Chris was an African American man. Uh, mm -hmm. He was in his probably at that time uh, late 40s, 50s, mm -hmm. uh, had been a, a highway patrolman. Mm -hmm. um, 
he was a conservative. He had run for, I think, the, the, either the state house or state senate mm-hmm. as, a, uh, as a Republican. So a conservative Republican, African-American, which is mm-hmm. sort of an anomaly. There's not, there's not many of those. You could fit and, him in a, in, a, in a telephone book. <laughs> and I, I literally, I was very close to Chris Haley, and I called him up and I said, what the heck is going on? Yeah. I mean, I thought we were so far past this. And he was quiet for a second. And he said, Bill? He said, what you're seeing is we've reached a tipping point, and it's it's boiling over. And he said, the, the fact is, you can't see through my eyes. You don't have my experiences. I can't see through your eyes. Mm-hmm. But it's a tipping point. But I was, I was really... I couldn't believe that was going on mm-hmm. in, in our community. Well, actually, in Charlotte. Yeah. But um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I like that metaphor, the tipping point, because you know, you reach, you always, you reach a certain point where things can go either way. And I think that uh, when we think about how, how do we look at change, and how do we look at conflict, and how do we look at violence, and sometimes uh, there was a um, a very very, um, oh, I was trying to think of his name now. But anyway, he said that the um, violence is usually the megaphone, the megaphone of the oppressed, which essentially means that, you know, we've tried different areas. We tried voting. We tried getting more education. We tried to have more businesses. And yet people still see us as kind of a second-class citizen, so then you find, particularly with the youth, and I have to, to say that the youth will say, well, Dan Houston, you're an old man and, you, you know, you've been around for a while and you want to keep things, you, you want to do collaboration, you want to you build things, you want to make sure people understand your perspective and you patient, you take time for that. We're young, we're not all that patient anymore. And so I, I think a barometer of the society in many cases is how teenagers and young people feel about what's happening to them. It's almost like what Generation Z is doing right mm-hmm. now in this country and changing the whole face of the workforce. Young folks back then in, in 2016 really uh, began to look at what their options were. And they, they thought the tipping point was to show that we want to have an expression. We want, to, we want to be part of the society. And the only way you're going to let us in is for us to really yell and scream at folks. Mm-hmm. These young people are frustrated. 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 They, uh, they feel like they're knocking at the door and nobody wants to answer. Right. And even people like me, and, you know, um, that I, I, I talk to them, I go down and I spend time with them. And they'll look at me and say, okay, Dan, you know, we respect you. We want to listen to you. But there's some different things that we might want to do here. And I think that sometimes my role is to let, to translate to what the young folks are saying to people who are my peers. And we begin, and, and so we have a good dialogue. There's been a lot of discussion since then about what we call having crucial conversations. Right, right. And, mm-hmm. and Bill, you were really instrumental in bringing a couple of people on myself included, to have a crucial conversation about race and about violence and about, you know, progress in the society. And I think we need need to continue to have those crucial conversations because people are listening. You know, it's funny, we, we, um, I think it was Dan that had this, we had this conversation with several people sitting at the table and he said, okay, Bill, if, if a, if a, a black man and a white man walk into the room at the same time and you're open, you have a retail shop, which one are you going to wait on? I said, well, which one came in first? He said, well, that, 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 uh, that's not the question. Okay, they, they walk in at the same time. At the same time. I, I'm, I'm going to say, can I help either one of you? And he was like, you're not playing the game right. <laughs> but I, I, I've got a question for you. But first, I want to go back over here to you, Webster, because I was reading your bio, and you're a Catholic deacon. What is a Catholic deacon? Actually, a Catholic deacon is a member of the clergy in the Catholic Church. Uh, my brothers and sisters in a lot of our Protestant denominations, deacons. And deacon is, is I mean, the word deacon in and of itself yeah. means service. Mm-hmm. And uh, But in the Catholic Church, uh, there are three levels of organization. Um, and, and I'll start start with the deacon. There, can, there are two types of deacons in the Catholic Church. One is a, is a transitional deacon. 
they will be ordained a priest at the next level. And then finally, if, if, uh, and, and, if they get that call in the middle of the night from uh, Rome, they may be asked to be a bishop, and then they're ordained a bishop. Wow. So there are three levels of, of ordination. I happen to be a permanent deacon. As a permanent deacon, I can be married, have children. Mm-hmm. So I'm, the, I'm that member of the clergy within the Catholic Church that, uh, that, that has a family. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about the things this afternoon that, that, Dan, that you're asking Dan, I think, are very important for us to look at uh, uh, spiritually also. Uh, you know, where, do we, where, where are we and what, what do we do? Um, I, I can remember in eastern North Carolina when I lived in that part of the state that we had African-American Catholic churches and we had pretty much Anglo-Catholic churches. Mm. And I remember many years ago, uh, the bishop decided, no, we're not going to have separate Catholic churches. We are all going to worship together on under one roof. Uh-huh. Boy, that was an experience to bring both groups of people together. Yes, but uh, today, you know, today I find uh, we have, uh, we have African-American families within our parish community uh, as well as Spanish-speaking people within our mm-hmm. parish community and the Anglo people. So it, the opportunities that Dan is talking about and the frustration, I think, that, uh, that people have um, are real. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're absolutely I mean, they're absolutely real. The, you know, and, and I'd like to ask Dan one of, one of the things that I've always wondered. You know, um, uh, when, when people are protesting, one of the things that uh, uh, has always kind of, I guess, bothered me in a way is, is in some of those cities across this country where there was lots of damage done, and to boot, a good portion of that damage was damage to African-American businesses when the young people and the people that were protesting were, were doing all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, you know, how can, you know, how can you... Uh, damage someone's business, and it's in your own community. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's such a good question, and I think the um, I've had I can't tell you how many discussions, debates, actually have had on that, and I think it, it boils down to again, if people perceive it's their community, mm-hmm. then they won't do it. But if they perceive that it's like someone coming into the community, it's almost like colonialism in some African countries that people come into the community and they don't really there's no investment in the community okay. they don't they don't have anything to do with parks and rec they you know the churches are you know isolated they don't come out into the community at all um, the education system is they have no votes on the, the board of education mm-hmm. so they don't perceive that any of this this is actually part of the well, system. I'd like to continue this when we get back yeah. because we, you've used one word that's important. We've got about 10 seconds, and when we get back, we're going to talk about faith, uh, and we're going to talk about the Diversity Council, and we're going to yeah. get back to Kiwanis. Uh, so stay with us on Town Talk. I'm your host, Bill Russell. Please come back and join us. Interesting discussion, uh, and I want to continue that. Uh, yeah, I, I want to talk about faith and family when we get back, uh, talking about that, and, and then we're going to go into the diversity topics, and and uh, one of the things our Kiwanis does, uh, working with special needs adults. But uh want to remind people that are listening and you're streaming, uh, we're live on uh, WSIC, but also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and all of the other streaming devices. And X. Uh, and what is it? And X. X. And X. X. Yes. And on X. Uh, so in addition to the expo that we talked about in the last segment, uh, the, the chamber is hosting candidate forums. And we're going to have our first forum uh, Thursday, October 12th, two days after our expo. In the town of Cornelius, we have two people running for mayor. We have 10 people running for the board of commissioners. So that will be at town hall, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Then we're actually going to host two candidate forums in Huntersville because we have three people running for mayor, 16 people running for town board for commissioners. So we've got to have two different forums. Uh, I'm going to be going to the town board meeting this coming Monday night. And 15 minutes before the town board meeting starts, uh, Mayor Melinda Bells is going to draw out of a hat the uh, the five commissioner candidates that will be appearing with the three mayoral candidates uh, on the 17th. So it'll be totally random. 
So whatever is, it is, and we're going to have that uh, at the uh, town hall on 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. It is open to the public. Uh, Jessica Zeppis, who is the owner and general manager of this station, he is going to be our MC. Questions come from the floor. Uh, they'll be passed up on in index cards, and, and Justin will moderate the particular event. So uh, we're going to have WSIC in a huge presence. They will have it on their streaming devices and all of their social platforms as well. Uh, tomorrow, Dan, we've got a huge event. What's tomorrow at noon? Tomorrow at noon, we have the Diversity Champions Luncheon. Right. And where we're going to really, really, you know, I love the celebration of people who are doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And so we have three entities. Uh, it's three or four? No, three. Uh, it's three. Well, three. it's three this time, yes. Three this time, yeah. Three entities. Remember who they are? The, yeah, the individual person. And that's going to be? And that's going to be, oh, um, oh, don't. Don't tell me. Uh, God. From Ada Jenkins. Um, CEO. Say what now? The C CEO. The CEO from Harold Ada Rice. Jenkins. Harold Rice. That's okay, it. Okay, I Rice. told you. I'm sorry. I, uh, I, no, no, I'm I glad did, you did. No, I didn't play the game. The, uh, the corporate winner uh, is... The corporate winner is the is uh, the greenhouse... Um, God... I, you know, Let me help you again. Metrolina Greenhouse. Metrolina. And I <laughs> can't right tell there. you how much my wife has spent money in that place. But You're right yeah. there. And, and then the uh, nonprofit. Then the nonprofit. Then we Remember have that one? Hearts and Hands. Hearts and Hands Food, food, pantry, food pantry in Huntersville. So yeah. those are our winners. Uh, the topic is going to be on reengaging veterans, veterans into the workplace. Yeah. Uh, some people don't think about veterans as being a, a uh, diversity topic, but it absolutely is. So Beth Bledsoe with MSE is actually going to be uh, our speaker. Yeah. All right. Uh, for those streaming with us, uh, we're going back live in just five seconds. Welcome back to Town Talk. I'm your host, Bill Russell. I have Dan Houston. He is the, the president of the 1750 Group and chair of our Chamber's Diversity Council. Webster James, who is the Pasquana's governor and owner of Comprehensive Communication Services, LLC. And gentlemen, right before we went to break, I was talking about um, the riots and some of the violence that took place, not only in 2016, but across, across the nation that we saw um, right during the pandemic. And... One of the things that I really thought about was the diminishing presence of faith and family. Uh, and I spoke about this, and I had one of our elected officials tell me that I was virtue signaling uh, when I mm -hmm. talked about things of that nature. But, but I really believe that a lot of the violence that we see, and of course this is my, my personal belief, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of the reasons that we see the gun violence that take place on college campuses and, and in the malls, the the, the the violence and the riots that we see across the country, I think really stems from the diminishing faith. And there are less people now participating in the church uh, than have been in the past. And I think some of these people who are probably participating in these, these crimes and this violence come from families who are maybe broken homes, that, that maybe they don't have a father or a mother. Um, Dan, I want to ask you about that. Do you do you share that belief, or do you or you think I'm out on an island on that? Well, let, let me uh, let me do a political thing and pivot a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and the only reason I want to do that is because I think my belief is we have uh, this whole movement going on in this country called diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's a DEI movement. And, and the core of that DEI movement is to make sure that families have decent, a, a decent and manageable income to live and support their families, have decent housing, decent med medical care. And what happens is if you find out that, in, in fact, you know, we, we talk about Maslow's hierarchy, and part of that hierarchy is that people have to have clothes, shelter, food, they don't have that they can't move up that scale at all mm -hmm. and what happens a lot of times is this if we have a dni movement that begins to open the door in industry and this is what we do the kind of work we do with organizations and businesses if they open the door and they provide things like representation so we have in our community for example in lake norman community if you have a population that's that's nine ten percent let's say african-american for example that what we want to do is to make sure that those folks have a decent wage, a decent income, so that they can afford decent housing, not just any old housing, but decent housing. I think if we begin to look at it 
and not necessarily, it, this society has such a, a hold on what we call punishment and, and crime reduction. And what we should do is have more emphasis on how do we increase people's basic need, basic Maslow need to survive. I think what we'll have is we'll have a more intact family base. Fathers and mothers and, and, and two-parent families would stay together. Mm -hmm. I think the, the, the children, you know, it's a difference if you can go out and play football or soccer and have your parents come to those things. That makes a whole lot of difference for a child. And so those are the fundamentals that I think, and I call it fundamentals in this country, that if we can figure out a way to spend more time and energy in those fundamentals, I really believe the crime in certain communities, gun violence included, would diminish. Now, will it go away or not? I don't think so. But diminish it if I have someone. I had a father. I, I'm, I'm sorry. My father left our family when I was, I was pretty young. And my mother died when I was young. So I was raised by my aunt and my uncle. And, you know, I played sports. And my uncle, who was a breadwinner, and he made sure we had all everything we needed, never came to one of my games. Uh. Never. My daughter played volleyball, and I was at every single one of her games. And I could mm -hmm. see how she lit up, and she got involved in the mm -hmm. volleyball game, and she talked about it, and she hung out. Check this out. She hung out with other kids involved in sports and volleyball. My father, of course, died uh, young and and or left and my left when I was younger, and my uncle never came, so I never shared my experience with them on the court. And in, in fact, I even hung out with guys that I shouldn't have hung out with. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that if we can figure out, put more emphasis on what I call the fundamentals of life, then the stuff that we're really worried about, instead of trying to, I say this, I always get in trouble with my police friends. <laughs> um, and I have a lot of police friends, you know, and um, w w instead of us trying to police ourselves out of these problems, I think we'll have a greater impact on society as a whole. Well, going, going back to the faith issue, though, you, you look at the black church, and it was absolutely the heart of the civil rights movement in the 60s. You look at all of the civil rights leaders, they came out of the church. So um, my, my concern or question is, what is the future if, if we're seeing less people participating, whether it's the African-American church, the white church, the church in general. What, what is the future of this country? You have I, a response? You know, everything that Dan is talking about can be connected to uh, our faith. We, uh, you know, we need to understand that uh, the problems that Dan is referring to, uh, housing, a decent wage, uh, somebody coming forth and and wanting wanting to have a better life for themselves, mm -hmm. base that base that on faith. Our good Lord created us in His image and likeness, and here we are. And and I think you know, we need to realize that each of our our denominations, each of our churches, understand clearly that God God wants us to be able to provide for our families, ourselves. Uh, we, we need to, you know, have that opportunity to be able to achieve the things that we want to in our lives. When there are roadblocks that are put in front of us in, in being able to achieve those, those goals and those uh, opportunities to, to give our children something that maybe we didn't have growing up, when there are obstacles in front of that, we get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then, then what do we do? We don't know where to turn or how to turn. Yeah. And, and the unfortunate part about this is, is that we have, you know, in, in a lot of uh, our churches have declined in membership. If we would work on, on two things, on our faith in, in Jesus Christ, our faith in God, our creator, no matter which religion we belong to, whether we're, you know, whether we're Catholic, whether we're Protestant, whether we're Muslim, if we look at the positive things within each of our faiths and become closer to our creator, 
that in and of itself can help solve problems. Mm-hmm. You know, one parent families don't work. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, people need people need to be able to look for something. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's interesting too because I'm 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 kind of a half glass full kind of guy. Yeah. And and what I've noticed and and the nonprofits and how the nonprofits are now collaborating with churches and and they're doing it this way. The leader of a nonprofit is, and I'll just use Christianity, mm-hmm. is a Christian who goes to church and maybe he's a deacon in the church. He's a leader in the church. And then when he leaves Sunday, he goes from Monday through Friday. He's, he's a leader in this nonprofit organization and a nonprofit organization might be dealing with kids. So you see, even though those kids and their parents may not be going to a church, there's that intermediate person who's actually going to church, praying for them. He's basically providing resources from the church mm-hmm. to the nonprofit. And then these kids are benefiting from that. And that's the thing when I look, and I've talked to quite a few nonprofit leaders and, and part of my business as a diversity trainer and as a, as a leadership coach, when I talk to them about what they're doing, their, light, their eyes light up because yeah, I have 250 kids that I'm responsible for, uh-huh. which, which, which is about 100 different families that they're responsible mm-hmm. for. And if you multiply that by the number around this country, we find that there's a, there's a certain kind of movement that's not getting reported in the press. And, you know, the newspaper is always cons- more concerned about if it bleeds, it leads. Right. And so what we have is we have all of these things going on. So, for example, I always tell folks a third just a third of African-American families are below the poverty line. A lot of people don't realize that. So 66% mm-hmm. of African-American families are either working Ford company or they, you know, they, they have some trade that they're doing there. And a lot of them are professionals. And they raise their families. They're trying to do what a lot of folks do, a middle-class family is trying to keep their kid safe in an environment that's in a school environment that may not be all, all that 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 healthy mm-hmm. form. But so we have we have a situation where I think the church is involved, but it's kind of like in, involved in, a, in an indirect way. In other words, the civil rights movement had church leaders, and that was the period in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And now in the 80s and 90s, we have a different type of leader. And it's not the political leader. <clears throat> My feeling is that a lot of these folks that are in 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 Kwanzaa and and I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Kwanis. Kwanis and, <laughs> and Rotary and, and Rotary and you know and and fraternities like I belong to a fraternity. Well, we've got about ten seconds before we go to break. We come back. We want to talk more about the diversity council. We want to talk about some of the things that Kwanis is doing. Uh, please come back and join us on Town Talk. I'm your host, Bill Russell. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be right back. Powerful discussion, guys. This, yeah, this, this yeah. is. I mean, we could, we could go on for two or three. We could do I was it. just thinking we could do a two or three hour show on on, on just talking about uh, opportunities for people and diversity within Justin, within our communities. Justin calls Bill Blakely in the other room. Uh, Bill on the sticks. Uh, Bill, Bill, we'll take over one of the Good Morning LKNs while one day. Uh... Oh, that would be good. That'd be good. <laughs> but I like please, you, uh, you're invited what, at any time. I like the way you talk about opportunities because that's to. To my, you know, you have resources and you have an opportun- mm-hmm. opportunities, and I think that that's what we're we're trying to now create opportunities and resources, and I think that'll do wonders to building up our families and our community. Absolutely, you know, one of the things is you were talking, and, and that that I think is important too. You were talking about um, uh, those people that uh, are are in their churches on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then they go back into the secular world on Monday. Yes. Oh, yeah. And yes, yeah. they are trying to make a difference. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, is that if we, if we would put together our Christianity and our service, I think that, that yeah. you know, bringing faith back into our everyday lives is important. Yeah. Secularism yeah. Is, is dividing us in, in, 
in so many ways. Yeah. That, that was that was my whole point. And, yeah. and, and again, accused of being virtue signaling. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? Uh, a couple of chamber events real quickly. Tomorrow night, uh, the chamber's business after hours is Carolina Bio-Oncology. Uh, again, that's tomorrow night. Uh, that's in Huntersville. We hope that you can join us 530 to 7. Uh, networking event. And then on Friday, we're having a virtual discussion. Our Attorney General, North Carolina Attorney General, Josh Stein, is going to be joining the Chamber of Commerce in a virtual conversation. So if you want information on either one of these, call us the Chamber of Commerce tomorrow. Um, our Leadership Lake Norman, which we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, is completely filled up. And uh, we're having a reception tomorrow night uh, starting that. But Junior Leadership Lake Norman for high school juniors. So if you know somebody who is a junior this year, rising junior, uh, in any of our schools, whether it be CMS, Lake Norman Charter, Davidson Day, private, or homeschooled, uh, they could participate in our junior leadership league, Norman. Call the Chamber of Commerce, and we'll be happy to send you an application on that particular program. we got 60 seconds, 60 seconds left. Uh, business after hours. Why is networking important to a business in 15 seconds? In 15 seconds to create those personal relationships that are so important in business. Because after all, success is what we can do one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. working together in creating that trust and that uh, that openness together. Really good, Webster. Okay, wow. those of you streaming with us, we're going back live in just uh, 15 seconds, I believe. Welcome back to Town Talk. I've got Webster James. He is a past president of our Lake Norman Kiwanis Club. Dan Houston, who is the chair of our Diversity Council. Before we went to break, and we haven't talked about either one of your businesses, but I want to share this. Uh, one of the things that we, we worked on last year, recognizing in our diversity program, was the special needs adults. We don't really sometimes think of them as being a diversity topic, but they absolutely are. And we had a great panel discussion about employing special needs um, Webster, we have a group within the within the Kiwanis organization called the Action Club. Uh, share with our listeners what is the Action Club? Well, the Action Club is exactly what you were just just talking about, giving uh, people with special uh, special needs an opportunity to give back to their to their community in in the ways that they find that are you know um, uh, creating creating an atmosphere for. Uh, the group and for individuals to have a a wonderful productive life and i can tell you <laughs> we recently had a gathering at the bowling lane and i think uh you need to have that meeting every month at spare the bowling time, alley spare at spare time, time because yes, because we we had we had so much fun i i mean it was it was absolutely wonderful uh, the only thing that went wrong was Bill. Bill was standing there watching a pizza just fly off, slide off on the floor, and and you know, I don't think he's recovered from that one yet. But yeah. uh, uh, I mean, the the Action Club, we work together as a group. Uh, you know, you were talking. We were talking about earlier about diversity, about giving people opportunities. There's a fellow that I want to mention, and and you know, and Bill, you have you have made the Action Club in this community a success. But you've got a guy that works with you. Uh, I'm on the board for, you know, for this group. Absolutely. But Steve McLewain is, is someone that I think everybody should have an opportunity to meet. He's a blessing. And, and he is such a blessing uh, to the members of the Action Clubs all over this area. Uh, he is um, he's just, he has done so much for uh, the members of these clubs, I just can't pat him enough on the back. He's mm. wow, Dan. You know, I've, I've been working with yeah. the Ashton Club since 2006, and mm. and um, there are days that we're we're sitting in traffic congestion. We're out on I-77. If you're not in the toll lanes, you're not moving. Sometimes even a toll lanes, you're yeah. not moving. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're met with congestion and frustration. Your days don't go exactly right. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, today the phones didn't, didn't work. We're a Chamber of Commerce and we couldn't communicate. Some days it's just, you're just so frustrated. And then you go to these, these action club meetings with these special needs adults who have every reason in the world not to be happy, every reason in the world to be frustrated with their life. And they're laughing and cutting up and having such a great time. Uh, it gives you a different perspective mm -hmm. on life. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want to I want to switch gears with you, Dan. You are a business coach, and I've told people, if you're in business 
uh, you need a business coach. You you absolutely, you know, you you look at the best quarterbacks, the best golfers, they themselves have a coach that gets them through. Um, but but share what why did you get into coaching and and, and who do you coach? Good question. And you know, um, yeah, it's really my my lane is leadership and executive coaching, and and it's it's a wonderful place to be because I've spent probably about thirty years in management uh-huh. in different organizations. And so when I had a chance to be certified by John Maxwell, in fact, I spent some time with John Maxwell and Paul Martinelli and, and was trained by some of their best coaches. And they and we had one of the largest coaching organizations in the world. A lot of people don't realize that. But we're, we're near, nearing now about 40,000 certified coaches, the John Maxwell team. But what I do is I work with people within organizations, uh, government, religious, uh, corporate uh, organizations um, who are in leadership positions, either at the, you know, first time supervisory or mid-level managers, all the way up to executives, COOs, CEOs. Mm -hmm. And what I look at, quite frankly, are people who have high potential, but may not yet have realized their potential. They want to go a little bit further, and they're not sure how to do it. Or they have been uh, criticized by someone and they're feeling less than, or they have what we, we're now referring to this thing called imposter syndrome. I don't know if you heard that or uh-huh. not. Yeah. But I'm here, I've been promoted, but why am I here? I shouldn't be here. Someone's like a calling with a priest <laughs> right. gets into calling. He says, I don't know, why did God call me to this? I don't belong here. I don't have the skill set. So we have, we have a lot of uh, people who are in that kind of, category where we work with folks to move them to the next level. And we work with inside organizations. So organizations actually pay us. We sell them to get an individual that'll pay us. But but I, I've worked with a lot with, you know, uh, with Beckerberg County, for example, with a lot of their senior level managers. Um, and that and the county would pay us to work with them over maybe a six-month period. But I tell you, what, what's really satisfying with that is that sometimes I'll get someone who's not sure about where they should go and are actually thinking about, and in fact, two, two of my coaches, when I started coaching them, they were revising their resume. Mm-hmm. And both of them at this particular time are now, are now in senior level positions. They got promoted since we started working together. And so some of the problems are just simply communication problems, how to communicate with someone. Some of them, some of the problems is what we call a, a command control management style, where it's my way or the highway. Oh, boy. You know, and, and, and a lot of people resist mm-hmm. that. And so we have a, a world now, and I'll quickly, and I'll say this and I'll move on, but we have a world that we're just coming out of a pandemic and the workforce is a lot different. So oh, yes, what we yeah, need yeah. is leaders that can deal with developing those workers, deal with those workers' anxiety, and deal with change, because that's what's coming. Change is, is a big thing. Big thing. Uh, how, are, how are you working with some of these people to, uh, to deal with things like uh, teleworkers, people yeah. that want to work from home now? That's a real big thing. And what we're finding out is that, you know, the, 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 it, it took us a while to get there, because a lot of the... People say my age bracket, mm-hmm. you come to work, I want to be able to look at you, I want to be able to make sure you're doing your work, you sitting at your desk doing the work. And what we're finding is that some of these folks in my generation have now loosened up and have come up with a hybrid. Right. And so they stay home part of the time, they can come to work I do part have of a, the time. I do have an interesting, I think, interesting quick story to say. Go ahead. I have a friend that manages uh, a Class C FM radio station down in the eastern part of the state. As a matter of fact, I was the original uh, original leader, so to speak, of, of that uh, of that particular property. And during the pandemic, the owner of his company called him one day and said, Tony, how are you dealing with this? Your salespeople don't come in every day. They have to work from their homes. And Tony answered him, because this station covers the entire eastern part of the state, mm-hmm. Goldsboro, Greenville, K- uh, Kinston, Newburn. 
He said, we've been doing this for 15 years. <laughs> Dan, and he's been trusting him for 15 and years. Absolutely. I, I think I picked up my first John Maxwell book about 20 years ago, but it, it, oh, I, and I'm probably going to get the name, but The Irrefutable Laws of, of Leadership and The Irrefutable yeah. Laws of Teamwork. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Those were the first two. And I mean, and now I probably have right at 15 or 20 John yeah. Maxwell books at home on my bookshelf. Is there a favorite John Maxwell book for you? Yes, um, it's called the Fifteen Laws of Invaluable Invaluable Growth. That's uh, Fifteen I've taught taught that. uh, I can't tell you how many times. I've actually taught it in a prison. I had a Mm -hmm. six-week mastermind in a prison where these these inmates came every week. They came, and we went over that book. Um, But I've taught it. I've done masterminds on it. Um, It's like my go-to book Uh for what we call personal development. You read that book, and it just changes your world and how you look at yourself, how you look at pain, how you look at things like uh, um, stretching. Uh-huh. I call it the, it's the law of the rubber band is one of the laws that I love in that book. And it, essentially, the law of the rubber band says, you know, there is, if you don't have tension between where you are and where you want to go, then you're not going anywhere. Oh, that's so true. That's true. Uh, can I, I do a quick you sales your, job I was, here? I was going to ask you your, your favorite John Maxwell book, though. Uh, no, I, I have something more important than okay. John Maxwell okay. right now. Well, tell me. On October 2nd, the Kiwanis Club of Lake Norman <laughs> is having their golf tournament, and we're doing it this year in, in Mooresville. It's a shotgun start. It's at 2 p.m., and if you want to get a foursome together, you can call our, our president, Gary, and his number is... I love this one. Gary's number is 404-917-4751. Had to get that in, Bill. Yeah, you'd, you'd, have been, you'd have been like the rubber band, rubber band right out of the club if you hadn't mentioned the golf term. Is there a favorite John Maxwell book? Uh, no. All of them are great. Yeah, Everything. they really are. Yeah. Uh, i got to ask you, I know we got about one minute left. You mm-hmm. have coached more than 20 child welfare, welfare mid-level workers. managers. Talk mm-hmm. about that. Well, you know, okay, that's a, that's a real good point. Um, Boy, where do I start with that? But, you know, it, just in terms of the time we have left. But these are folks that deal with real critical issues, go out and they deal with folks in poverty, broken homes. I mean, it's a it's tremendous amount of, of, of stress on them. So the leadership position is really important because the leadership deals with compliance mm-hmm. issues, government regulations. But they also have to deal with how to develop workers yeah. that are going to be able to do that job and do it well. Dan, I, I want to tell you, on behalf of the Chamber of Commerce, you've been our diversity chair now for a couple of years. I really appreciate the job that you've mm-hmm. done and continue to do. And Webster, uh, you and your wife, Celia, uh, you are true blessings and treasures with our Lake Norman Kiwanis Club. Thank you. I want to remind everybody, if it's Wednesday afternoon, we're talking about our towns on Town Talk, WSIC. We'll see you next week. Like the music, Bill. Sounds great. (laughs) The new 1059, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.